wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Now, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Now, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're following the theme, the Bible and money in a materialistic world. And the big question for today, does the Bible give us any financial principles? Today our co-host is our Pastor David Butcher. David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary. Good afternoon, listeners. It's wonderful to have you back with us again. Isn't this a marvellous time of the year? It is really, really good. And in Adelaide today, we've had sunshine, we've had rain, but uh, things are warming up and that's exciting. Indeed they are. This morning I was out walking bright and early again, just as the sun was getting out of bed, and I sort of thought, hey, what a blessing. In fact, this morning I managed to get drenched on my walk this morning. Can you believe it? Uh, it, it did rain on and off, didn't it? Did you get dive-bombed by magpies? Uh, no, there are two places where the magpies are. I've got them marked on my map, and believe me, I am avoiding those uh, those two trees. Uh, David, this is the last week before you're actually having some holidays. Now, a, a president of the church, an administrator of the church that's having some holidays. Now, I find that quite amazing and incredible, in fact. Well, so does my wife, no doubt. But um, yeah, look, I spend a little bit of time around home, I think. I've got some cycling to do, raising money for kids for cancer, um, spend some time in the outdoors there and um, fresh air and sunshine and hopefully no rain or magpies. How far have you cycled? You told us last week about this, uh, um, about the cycling project that you were doing. How far have you cycled so far? You shouldn't. Oh, so it starts the beginning of October. Oh, it starts the beginning of October. Yeah, so I'm reserving my energy till then. Okay, okay. No, that's that, that's more than understandable. Uh, so what do you do during the holidays? You're going to be spending some time at home? There's a whole lot of list of jobs around home. But, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, so hopefully outdoors cycling, spending time with spending time with the, the wife and children. Yeah. And um, School holidays is a wonderful time, isn't it, to be able to take some holidays? It, it really is. It really is. And switch off and freshen up. Yeah, no, it's a wonderful feeling. Now, this week we're following the theme, the Bible and money in a materialistic world. Now, this is a really challenging uh, subject, so applicable to, uh, to most of our population. The big question we're asking today is, does the Bible give any financial principles to help us uh, in, in this, this whole area? I mean, so much we so often we hear about financial principles from a, um, the perspective, I suppose, of a consumeristic lifestyle. I mean, I keep hearing I'm coming up for retirement in just a couple of years, and I, I'm starting to hear that hey, I need to have a huge amount of money put away in my superannuation. And, you know, I'm starting to think that I'm going to have a very poor retirement. You know, it's a it's a, it's a real problem. It can be depressing. Can it, it can be. It can be. So, so we have a consumeristic culture approach, which pushes all of this to us, mm. and yet surprisingly the Bible has a lot to say about finances and money, and often we don't hear about it. Exactly, exactly, and that's the thing we're wanting to do today. But before we go there, I'd just like to pick up on um, a, uh, uh, a commentary that came, came across my desk, and uh, this is what it said. How money, the title, how money changes the way we think and behave. And uh, this is what it said. The term affluenza, 
a portmanteau of affluence and influenza is a painful, a contagious, socially transmitted condition of overload, debt, anxiety and waste resulted from the dogged pursuit of more. It carries on. Whether affluenza is real or imagined, money really does change everything, as the song goes. And those of a high social class tend to see themselves much differently than others. Now, this was something that I, uh, that really jumped out at me because, you know, I didn't actually consider this point much before. Wealth and the pursuit of it has been linked Firstly, to immoral behavior. Psychologists who study the the impact of wealth and inequality on human behavior have found that money can powerfully influence our thoughts and actions in ways that we're often not aware of, no matter what our economic circumstances. And then it says, here are seven ways you should know about the psychology of money and wealth. And the first thing um, that uh, came out was this, more money less empathy. Several studies have shown that wealth may be at odds with empathy and compassion. Research published in the Journal of Psychological Science also found that people of lower economic status were better at reading facial expressions, an important marker of empathy, than wealthier people. Then there was another area. Wealth can cloud moral judgment. It's no surprise uh, to learn that wealth may cause a sense of moral entitlement. A UC Berkeley study found that in San Francisco, where the law requires that cars stop at crossworks for pedestrians to pass, drivers of luxury cars were four times less likely than those in less expensive vehicles to stop and allow pedestrians uh, the right of way. They were also more likely to cut off their drivers. David, what do you think about this? You know, I mean, isn't this being rather uh, a selective? No, look, I think there is something to it. I mean, I must put my hand up every now and again. I cut off drivers. Um, do you drive an expensive car, David? No, it's an average car. It's, an, an, average. it's an average car. But but no, I think there is something to this, Gary, in that um, I do, you know, when, when we door knock for various charities – um, and I've been through some fairly wealthy suburbs in various yeah. states, and some of them, all you get is the the intercom on the gate. Yeah. And you know that you're going to get a no-show, basically. Mm. Generally, mm. that's the case. And sometimes uh, at, at roadside intersections when I've collected money, it's the cars that come up that are falling apart and people will pull open their what was their cigarette lighter or in stuff in their dash and containers at the lights and they'll stop and you'll go to them and they'll pour out everything they've got mm. uh, and other people will be there in their nice cars and the windows will be up and they won't even look at you. That's a, that's actually very true because I know that I I also have done some a fair bit of collecting in my in my day for various charities. Not uh, not just Adra and Adra does a fantastic mm. work, but I just think of half a dozen charities. And you know there are there are some areas which appear to be more generous than others. There are, and and we're talking generalisations, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think I think money does rob empathy and it does rob compassion. Um, when it becomes a focus because we're consumed by that, 
consumed by it and we lose focus of what's happening around us. Mm, and I think mm. you've highlighted that in this, yeah, this report. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that it said, wealth may be linked with addiction. While money itself doesn't cause addiction or substance abuse, wealth has been linked with a higher susceptibility to addiction problems. Now, it almost makes sense, doesn't it? If, I, mm. in fact, I've got the money to be able to, I mean, for example, you know, Alcohol. Yes. Um, now I, I know that there are many in in all levels of society that become uh, alcoholics, but hey, it's actually a lot easier, isn't it? If I've got the funds, well, you've got the income to do yeah. it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, money itself was another study can actually become addictive. The pursuit of wealth can also become a compulsive behaviour, as psychologist uh, Dr. Dayton explained. A compulsive need to acquire money is often considered part of a class of behaviours known as process addictions or behavioural addictions which are distinct from substance abuse. Mm. Can getting of money become addictive? I think it can. I think it can. It, it can be a real driving factor for you, can't it? To build more, to get more, to so it, it in itself can actually be mm. the challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was interested in this next one. Wealthy children may be more troubled. Children growing up in wealthy families may seem to have it all, but having it all actually comes at a high cost. Wealthier children tend to be more distressed than lower-income kids and are at a higher risk of anxiety, depression, substance abuse, eating disorders, cheating and stealing. Does that make sense? I mean, at uh, more risk of stealing? Surely if I've got the money, I mean, that wouldn't be a, 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 major, a major issue. Well, I think some of that may come back to what you said earlier, this sense of entitlement as well. I'm living in a different class, a different status. We've seen this in um, not necessarily in young people but in business people all over the world, this sense of entitlement. Now, that can flow through to children. I certainly do think that um, there is a greater susceptibility in the in the wealthier class, my yeah, own perceptions, yeah, yeah. with children and young people experiencing a lot more of emotional and, and um, uh, challenges. I think uh, your comment, a sense of entitlement, is actually right on the knocker because it's very easy for any of us, isn't it, uh, to actually come to this point of uh, of thinking that uh, indeed I am entitled to and you can put whatever you like on that particular space. That's right. And it can happen at any level, yeah. any societal yeah. level, yeah. but I think there is a greater invitation, if you like, or, or temptation yeah. when you perceive yourself to be at a higher end. Mm, mm. Uh, the last one that really jumped out at me was uh, money. It's almost biblical, this one. Uh, money can't buy happiness or, uh, or love. And uh, the, uh, the study concluded this. There's no direct correlation between income and happiness. After a certain level of income that can take care of basic needs. In other words, you need to have a certain amount of uh, income to cover those uh, those uh, those bills, to cover the food, to cover the accommodation. Remove the stresses. Remove the, the stress. After a certain level of income that can, can take care of basic needs and relieve strain, uh, some say $50,000 a year in a country like Australia, some say $75,000, uh, wealth makes hardly any difference overall to well-being and happiness. And if anything... 
only harms well-being. Extremely affluent people actually suffer from higher rates of depression. Some data has suggested money itself doesn't lead to dissatisfaction. Instead, it's the ceaseless striving for wealth and material possessions that may lead to unhappiness. Now, is there anything biblical in that that that, that reminds you of? Yeah, we're told, aren't we told to um, not put our trust in, in things that are going to be moth-eaten and, and rusted and destroyed, but put our, put our focus in heaven? These things are passing away. They're absolutely passing away. And I think the more money we obtain, and we're all wealthy, really, in our, yeah, in our society, yeah, yeah. we're all wealthy. The more we obtain, the more we go to put barriers around to protect what we have. Yeah. And that can create paranoia, anxiety, um, an inward focus. Yeah, yeah. It, you sort of understand why Paul, we, we touched on this one yesterday, Paul actually said with, with food and raiment, with these things I'm actually going to be content. In other words, he had this issue of, and we talked about yesterday, contentment and how, how much uh, in the um, consumeristic world that we're living, we've almost lost an understanding of what contentment actually is. Absolutely. And Paul says there, he says, whether I've got little or whether I've got much. Yeah. yeah. So the ability to be happy or have happiness and contentment where you're at. Yeah, yeah, that's that is actually so powerful. It's a, it's a real challenge to the way that we live in our world today. But look, let's come to some music. Uh, this is uh, Keith Green. Uh, there is a redeemer.
was Keith Green. There is a Redeemer. Uh, Folks, today we have a fantastic book as our free gift, our free offer to you. Uh, The book's entitled The Giving Equation, Working Out Your Relationship with God and Money. This is a really short little book. This is just 80 pages. We'd love to offer it to you, uh, totally free of charge. David, do you know anything about this particular book? Yeah, the author is Ken Long, a business consultant, uh, works in industry. And what I really like about this book is he highlights how two different economic perspectives, two different worldviews collide. Mm. The me economy, consumerism, versus God's approach, God's economy. Me economy versus God's economy. And look, I'd really invite our listeners to send through an SMS, contact us, and uh, we'll get that book distributed to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are so many issues that where there is a different perspective from the God perspective versus the man perspective, isn't there? And this they really clash. deals. They, they clash. clash. They clash. And most people don't actually realize that. Uh, folks, if you'd like your free copy of The Giving Equation, just text your name, your address, your phone number to 0438 635 that's 0438 635 that's your name your address uh, and uh, also your phone number uh, and we'll make sure uh, that you get one of these books uh, free of charge uh, into your hands you're listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time big Q&A with uh, with Pastor Gary today our co-host is David Butcher and David's the president of the Seventh Day Adventist Church in South Australia and this week we're following the theme the Bible and money in a materialistic world. And the big question for today, uh, does the Bible give us any financial principles uh, that we can live by? David, uh, tell us, I mean, you've been uh, in Christian leadership now for for many years. Uh, What have you found? I mean, you've managed budgets, not just your personal budgets, but you manage budgets for churches. Does the Bible give us any principles? It does. And as we said earlier, often we don't talk about them, but the Bible is loaded with them. Jesus talked a lot about money in the Gospels. So there's a whole range of principles. Uh, We're going to look at about 10 or 11 or so, um, and they're not exclusive. There are others clearly, but let's look at some of them, shall we? I think the first one, Gary, is to recognize that God is the owner or the giver of everything. And that has to be our foundation. Now, that clashes with the worldview, doesn't it? Yeah. In other words, what we're really saying here is that we are the manager of what God has actually given to us. Exactly. And often we have a headset in our society. Look, I've worked 40 hours of work this week. This is what I've earned. This is mine. Mm. We need to peel that back because the Bible says, no, everything belongs to God. And then flowing out of that, as you've said, is that God has asked us as human beings to be managers for him. So let's look at a text here. Uh, One of the texts we'll look at is in Deuteronomy 10, verse 14. And it says in this verse, it says, heaven is the Lord's, the earth also with all that therein is. So everything in heaven belongs to God and everything on earth belongs to God also. Psalm chapter 50, the psalmist says in verses 10 to 12, Every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. The wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. 
That's a very beautiful picture if you think about it because, you know, within Christian theology, we've actually painted a picture of God being our heavenly Father, Christ, of course, the Son, and we are his children. You know, the thing that I love about that is if, in fact, he is the Father and he owns the world, he's actually uh, created a very beautiful picture here because it actually means that I'm the inheritor. I'm the ultimate inheritor of the, of all those things. And he's a good father. And he's a good father. He's a good father. And he wants to give good gifts. Absolutely. I mean, in the, the book of Haggai, he says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Mm. So we need to actually re reset our thinking. Yeah. God is saying everything on this planet, everything he mm. created mm. is his. Yeah. Yeah. That tells me that what I then have doesn't belong to me. Yeah. It's on yeah. loan yeah. to manage. Yeah. Um, flowing out of that, that, that God is the originator of everything, also is a second one that's quite similar, that God is the source. He supplies all of our needs. And when we know that God owns everything and that we're mm-hmm. his children and that we will inherit everything, then um, we can have confidence Uh, in the fact that God provides for us. For instance, Philippians 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in the glory by Christ Jesus. I'm really interested there that that passage actually says, will supply all your need. You know, is there a difference between uh, need and desire? There is. And clearly when you walk through a supermarket, um, with a shopping list, if you take a shopping list, which we should, correct? Yeah. When you walk through a shopping list, there is a difference in those aisles in the shopping aisle between needs and desires. The desires are often placed on the end or near the checkout. Indeed, indeed. In fact, you know, one of the amazing things is, is that when my, my children were very young, taking them shopping was always an interesting experience because the, the number of uh, desires uh, that my children had when they were very young uh, was actually uh, far and away above their actual needs. And there are certain aisles that you should avoid with young children, aren't they? Particularly when they're stuck to the the trolley. Just avoid them full stop. So we need to acknowledge uh, if God owns everything, if he owns everything, then as a Christian we can have trust and faith and peace that he will supply all of our needs. Mm. And it says according to his riches. So he is a rich father. Uh, he is a father that is sensible, and later on we'll find out that he is a father who gives. So why do we need to fear? He'll provide for all of our needs, and surprisingly, sometimes he provides for our wants and our desires, mm. Mm. but certainly for all our, of our needs. Yeah. The challenge here, of course, Dave, is what we were actually talking about yesterday. We have the thing called the prosperity gospel, and how do we actually uh, uh, account for the fact that you know there are, there are many Christians who do go through times of financial hardship, and if we've got a, a Heavenly Father there that has promised to provide for our needs, then how do you account for uh, these many, uh, many individuals who have gone, and we cannot deny that they've actually gone through genuine hardship. They have, and often there's a guilt factor put on them. If only you had more faith. If only you followed the Lord and prayed more, you would be rich, you would be wealthy. However, God has asked us to be managers 
of this earth. And so you look at the num- the amount of wealth that's held in so small a number of people in on the planet. Yeah. And how many So we we have used selfishness, we have used greed. So when it says God will supply all of your needs according to his riches, I believe part of that challenge then is for us as Christians. God is saying to us, how are we using our resources which are really his? How can we redistribute yeah some of those to yeah. those who are needy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so, a that's a powerful question. Actually, it actually comes back to the issue of my own uh, giving, because you know I, I'm really conscious that um, it is actually really easy to, I suppose, push off uh, giving. Uh, to maybe a church, maybe to the government, maybe to some other organisation. But I'm so conscious of the uh, the number of times God has actually brought across my path individuals that I have been able to assist. And there is, and that that's the next point. Giving is essential. This is one of the financial principles in Scripture. Giving is essential. Uh, John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that he." gave Mm. we have a giving god and yet god says now you're on this planet to care for this planet i want you're made in my image i want you to replicate imitate what i do Mm. model a god who gives one of the one of the stories that i really love about this i think this point of giving is so important because it actually says something about our god it says something about the importance of money is the is the woman christ actually told uh, told a story of a of a lady who came very secretly to the uh, to the temple and had two little what they were called mites mm. uh, two little two cents as it were and very quietly making sure that nobody could see her uh, except for Christ um, and she didn't know Christ was watching she quietly drops the two cents and Christ commends her because more than all the rich men who gave out of their wealth they gave out of their excess as you say their wealth mm. She gave everything she had. Yeah. So giving is essential. And God is saying, hey, trust me, put me first, give sacrificially. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, we find this principle. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, there's a spiritual principle here, isn't there? Uh, that uh, somehow God is able to bless even our, even giving out of our poverty, dare I say it? Giving out of our need, our lack, if you like. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. You know, Gary, this hit home to me, um, really clearly and in an incredible way once. Um, you know, I was a minister in a local church and I'd actually had a, a medical incident in the church that day while I was preaching. Mm. Very visible, very confronting for the audience. And, um, yeah, I was taken to hospital and um, discharged later that afternoon. And uh, my wife, Megan, took me home and it was a Saturday afternoon and uh, we got back home. She was driving. I wasn't allowed to drive at the time and um, because of this. And... Um, we got into our driveway, and it was a very narrow driveway. The letterbox was almost on top of the driveway, mm-hmm. and there sticking out of the little slot in the letterbox was a white envelope. And I'm thinking, as I got out of the car, I'm thinking, uh, post people don't deliver anything on a Saturday. Mm. So I got out of the car, opened the letterbox, and there is this envelope uh, with a word printed on it, a Bible text, a reference, and it was Acts 4.32. Mm-hmm. And uh, I opened that envelope, and this is what Acts 4.32 says. 
Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Mm. And Acts 4.32 printed uh, through a printer so that I couldn't know who it was, uh, was on the envelope. When I opened it, there was $500 of cash in there. Wow. Someone had... Uh, witness what took place that day. They showed a level of concern and compassion and empathy. Put in $500. Now, what do you think I did? <laughs> Tell us, David. Well, what, what we did, Megan and I, we thought, no, we don't need this. We've been blessed. And, and, and the actual, even the thought that someone would do this for us was more than the money was worth. Mm. It was mm. such an incredible and touching. So what we did the following week, we put an ad in the church bulletin. We said, thank you, Acts 4.32. Your money has been uh, multiplied and has been shared with, you know, to do right. these sorts of projects. So we we invested that back in other people. Yeah. yeah. And times in my life when I've really sensed God's closeness yeah. and and contentment and happiness is when I've given to others and, and given in a way that is unknown to those people. Mm, mm. You know David, I've you know in my ministry I've actually had some some very similar uh, types of types of experiences. I actually had on one particular occasion I was doing, taking a series of meetings for a church that I uh, that I was pastoring at that particular time. We were actually gone away on a church camp and uh, I I said to the uh, uh, to the church, oh, look, you know, I mean we're on a church camp. He does not want to hear a sermon from me. So I encouraged uh, in the church service. I uh, actually encouraged all the uh, uh, the parents, the adults, uh, to go and uh, read a passage of scripture. Go with their partner, uh, sit under a tree, uh, and just talk about the uh, the passage. Then come back, and we were going to to debrief. Meanwhile, I actually ran a service for the for the children, and uh, they really appreciated uh, appreciated that. Um, but when I uh, came, uh, when they all came back, a very interesting experience. Someone actually said to me, um, they said, um, Pastor Gary, uh, we, we didn't answer the questions you'd given us. Uh, the Holy Spirit took us somewhere else. And uh, I said, it's interesting. Where did the Holy Spirit take you? And the Holy Spirit had actually taken them, uh, as they told the story, uh, to this issue of um, building bigger barns. And uh, uh, how they had been incre- incredibly blessed by the by the Lord, and they said, "We we have been putting barn upon barn, mm. and so much so that nobody knows this, but uh, we've actually uh, are very close to bankruptcy." Um, and uh, they said, uh, "We felt incredibly convicted." At that time, that the things that we've been doing financially are not right, hmm. uh, and it's the Holy Spirit that's actually convicted them of this. And uh, uh, they said, uh, in our discussion, we came to the conclusion that we need to change the way we've been regarding money. Uh, anyway, the really interesting thing was that uh, uh, about five years later. I got to talk to them, and they and they said to me, they said, Pastor, do you remember that camp? And I said, oh, yeah, I remember that camp. All right, I certainly do remember that uh, that camp. Uh, they said, did you know that was the day that our business turned around? And, uh, you know, they started to put in place some biblical principles. Um, and, and interestingly, uh, one of them uh, that they did actually put in place was a, a thing called tithing. I, I don't want to go into that one today, no. but, you know, that to me 
was one that uh, really jumped out at me and one that they actually emphasised that, hey, they felt incredibly blessed by God uh, because they were faithful uh, to that, uh, to biblical uh, expectations. Money is, is such a huge thing. We all need it to live by. And so when we, when we give, which is already God's, God's, it's, He's given us the ability to have the yeah, money. It's His. Yeah, when yeah. we give, we're actually, whether it's tithing, which we're not talking about today, or just giving, we're putting other people first. We're putting God first. We're imitating God. And there is a contentment. There is a joy. There is a peace that comes from giving that you don't get by getting. There is actually, you're actually changing your priority listing. You know, I'm so conscious that if you go to a, uh, to a investment consultant, there are so many of these uh, principles of scripture that will never be mentioned. You know, it's how can I actually build up my finance? And yet, it, biblically, it actually goes a totally different direction. And often less is more. And often it is. And the happiness factor often increases. Yeah, yeah. Another principle, Gary, is um, the Bible backs savings. Mm. It backs savings. So uh, Proverbs um, chapter 21, verse 20, it says, There is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Mm. So again, God has placed us on this planet to be managers of his resources. Yeah. The money, the, the, the wage, the salary that you may get, the finance that you may receive. God says your job is to be responsible with that. And, and he's asking us to save, to be wise. So in other words, that by implication would mean that I'm actually living within my means. Exactly. And we should allow a margin. In other words, uh, what's the buffer? What happens if the hot water unit blows up? What happens if the the automatic transmission in the car f- fails and 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 stops working? Yeah. So God says God is saying through Scripture, saving is a good thing. Um, creating a buffer is a good thing. You need to be able to provide in case something happens. And and provide for your family. This is a really important principle that I'm so conscious that uh, many. Uh, struggle with this. Now, I'm really conscious that uh, um, there are many who, who might respond, hey, look, you know, I actually don't get enough to be able to be either generous or even to save money. How do you, how do you respond to something like that? that? That's a really hard question, and every situation is obviously different. Some people are tangled in a web of debt with multiple credit cards and all sorts of things and, and paying huge interest yeah. repayments yeah. on credit cards and whatever else. Um, we work with people differently depending where they're at, but ultimately um, debt is bondage, and that's going to be another principle. And that, yeah, that share that out. principle yeah, with us absolutely. because I think that's an important principle here. So we've said that um, uh, the Bible backs saving. Uh, in, in Psalm 37.21 it says, The wicked borrows and does not repay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Proverbs twenty two seven: The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Yeah. So, Jesus came to this world to free us from captivity, mm-hmm. and when we are in incredible amounts of debt, we are slaves and servants to the the lending institution. Mm-hmm. And what that does that limits what you were saying before. It limits our opportunity to experience the joy of of giving, mm. uh, the joy of 
putting God first because what's going first? Our huge mortgage, our huge car repayment, whatever it may be. So the Bible is basically saying that we should minimize our debt wherever we can. You know, do you really need that new car? Do you really need that new lounge suite or whatever it is? Uh, what's the implications of going into debt? You know, David, I think that's such an important point. You know, it was uh, some years ago that I actually realized this issue of uh, going into debt, particularly for a new car. I mean, in my, my entire life, I've only ever owned a new car once. Hmm. Uh, and on that particular occasion, I was located in, uh, uh, up in Townsville, actually, in those days. And hello to all our wonderful friends up in, up in Townsville, um, up in Townsville. And I bought myself a, a brand new, a brand new car. And I was so proud of that new car. What I had forgotten was that I was actually going on a, uh, on an itinerary, uh, within the next month. And I came back one month later, having put more than 10,000 kilometres on, on a brand new car. And suddenly I realised uh, what a silly boy I'd actually been. Uh, from that car on, I've actually never owned a new car. And I took a, a commitment that I'd actually buy cars that I could actually afford. And, you know, uh, to me, the freedom that that has actually given me, because I know that, hey, uh, given for a few thousand dollars, I can actually buy a quality a car, car, a good car. And not go over the top because we live in a society now that says, look, I'll buy now and pay later. Yeah. In fact, that's what yeah. we're told by all of the advertisements, yeah. aren't we? But it's not true. It'll always come back to bite. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Gary, yeah. another one is, a, is the secret of contentment. And I think you, you touched on this earlier. We need to be happy with where we're at. Hebrews 13.5 says, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you think this is something that our our society, you know, the, uh, the, the concept of being content, is that something that we have really uh, sidestepped, overlooked and misplaced in the uh, consumeristic world that we're, we're living in? Let me ask the question, does contentment even exist in the consumeristic world? It, it really doesn't. It might in isolated pockets, but it doesn't because we're being pushed the next gadget that offers a little bit more power, uh, a little bit more whatever it may be be. And so we go from one to another. Now, I know um, uh, I bought a vehicle and the next one came out a couple of years later and it had a few th extra things on it. And I thought, wow, why didn't I wait for that? There's always something extra coming. Yeah. And so contentment escapes us. Uh, we never achieve it or receive it when we're chasing the materialistic culture. Yeah. yeah. So the author of Hebrews says, be content with such things of you that you have. Because Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I love, I, I love this because, you know, I, to me it speaks to those of us who have got a garage full of absolute junk. You know, as I, as I look at my own garage, you know, okay, my garage, I, I took a massive clean up when my, my, my last holiday and it, it was wonderful to be able to clean up my garage and it probably doesn't have as much stuff in it as everybody else. But, you know, over the years, and I'm close to retirement now, I mean, we've accumulated a fair bit of, you know, stuff, but I'm really conscious that we're living in a world where we're all doing exactly the same thing. Accumulating. And, it, you know, in, I know in my own life, it's probably only been in, you know, more recent years that I've started to say, hey, I am really comfortable with, you know, my, my children say, say to me, hey, Dad, what can we get you? You've, you've got 
Oh, I've got everything that I need. I don't need mm. anything. Therefore, I'm a hard person to actually buy for. I think I'm an easy person. But hey, that's you know that, that that's life. And the more we obtain, and then you're saying you're sort of down thinking of downsizing or downsizing some stuff. The more we obtain, the more we have to maintain. Indeed. So the stress, the anxiety, the the financial implications, they all just keep accelerating and growing. Indeed, indeed. Contentment. Contentment. What a beautiful word that actually is. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, okay. So um, uh, the another text there is 2 Corinthians 6, verse 10. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. So again, that's touching on that contentment. Mm. Another one, Gary, is to keep records and to actually budget. Uh, okay. The Bible gives us evidence of this. Um, in Proverbs 27, verses 23 and 24, we read, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Keep records. In other words, God is not going to do everything for us. It's no use simply saying, hey, I'm going to pray and God is going to provide. He's, there's actually a part here for us to do. Yeah, I mean, we could say God will provide for all of our needs, and, and he will. But there is an expectation as a manager, as someone that's been put in charge of things, to manage God's resources that will be responsible. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Mm. So manage wisely the resources you have. You know, this is a very beautiful picture that you're painting here because the thing that really jumps out at me is that we're actually serving a God who trusts us. Uh, you know, sometimes I hear I, I hear people say, hey, you know, uh, God, he's the one that's going to make all those the decisions for us. But in fact, here, what I've got is a God who is saying, like I say to my children, hey, look, you know, once they have grown up, I want them to be able to have the privilege of being able to make decisions themselves. I want them to have a degree of independence. Hey, I want to always be in and part of their life, but I want them to have the freedom. And, you know, we serve a God who says, hey, look, you know, I want you to have the, the, the freedom to be able to make decisions. And he wants us to have the freedom from being tied to money. Yeah. Because when we're tied to money, we cannot be tied to God. Yeah. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. Mm. And that's why money is such, uh, such an insidious thing. Money mm. in itself is not evil. Yeah. But the love of money. And so that's why it's so important that God God asks us to give. Yeah, yeah, David. That's one. Have you got one more? And then we're going to have to go to a go to a break. Yes. Um, yeah. I think another one is to work hard. It's a biblical principle. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twenty three. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. So there is an expectation that uh, God worked during creation, didn't he? Mm. There is an expectation that he placed on Adam and Eve and in the Ten Commandments, for in six days you shall do all your work. So um, biblical principles for, for, for finances. I'm really interested that you actually hard. say that one because the, I know the Apostle Paul makes a very interesting statement. He says, if a man does not work, neither shall he What's the next word? I know it's in Ephesians. Is it eat? Eat. Yes. If a man yeah. does not work, neither should he eat. Now, I mean, to me, I'm conscious of the, you know, the, the giving culture that we've actually that we've actually created. Uh, uh, one or two people have uh, um, certainly um, 
requested help. And on one or two occasions, I've actually sat down with them and said, hey, look, uh, I'm happy to help you now, but there's actually another expectation that I've got of you as well. That you can learn to be financially sustainable yourself. Yeah. And I mean, Proverbs says this, 28.19, he who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. Yeah. These, so these, these principles are a challenge to the world that we're living in today, aren't they? You know, they this is amazing. Look, let's come to some music. This is Alan Jackson. Love lifted me. I'm sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Buried deeply stained within Sinking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despair and cry From the waters lifted me Now safe am I Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling. His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, marriage my soul's best songs. Faithful love and service to, to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Alan Jackson, Love Lifted Me, a beautiful song. Just reminding you that today our free offer is the giving equation, the God economy versus the human economy, working out your relationship with God and money. This is a fantastic 80-page book that is yours free of charge. If you'd like a copy of this book, just text uh, to uh, to my phone. That's 0438 That's 0438. Zero double six six three five, and uh, give us your name, your address, and your uh, phone number, and uh, and we'll make sure that uh, we get uh, this book into your hands uh, in the next uh, next couple of couple of days. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh Day Adventist Church in 
South Australia. And this week we're following the theme, The Bible and Money in a Materialistic World. And the big question for today is, does the Bible give us any financial principles? David, start to bring it together for us. Is there anything we've missed out on so far? Yeah, maybe maybe just a little bit more, Gary. I think it's important that we seek godly counsel. Uh, and this comes from Scripture. Um, Proverbs 1 verse 5 says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, this one is, is, is really a key because we're not, what we're not saying is simply pray and do nothing. A- absolutely not. The scriptures are saying, hey, we expect you to be able to work. In fact, if you don't work, neither should you eat. Should you eat? Yeah. Um, don't go into excessive debt. Uh, control the credit card. Uh, do some. Make sure that you're doing some savings. I mean, this is sound common seek, sense, seek isn't it? Godly counsel. Seek and seek godly counsel has to be uh, the uh, another of those uh, lists because what I'm conscious of is that you know there are so many people by putting their uh, their affairs uh, in the appropriate manner have been able to go for a better lifestyle than would otherwise be the case. They have, and I think it's. Really important that debt can disrupt our spiritual growth. Yeah, it can. And um, the fruit of the spirit is what love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And so, um, if we're in debt, we might not be experiencing peace, peace, and gentleness and self control. So, debt can damage these things. So, God is trying to tell us and help us. Um, to, to be free of these things. You know, in fact, David, what I'm conscious of is that in the times in which we're living now, I'm just really conscious that I, I believe as, as far as possible, it makes, it makes sense for us to reduce our debt to the lowest possible level because I'm just conscious that the whole economy is actually in turmoil and many people are saying, where are we actually going? And what I am conscious of is that those who are carrying heavy load of debt are the ones who are struggling. Are, are exposed. Are exposed. And God doesn't want us to live under that sort of stress and that anxiety. He wants yeah. us to have plans to work through things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, often we don't fall into debt straight away, do we? It's a process. In fact, David, this is the thing that I, I really would like to come to, and we just need to finish with this. But, um, you know, do you think that some, some of these principles, some might say, are idealistic, uh, more idealistic than realistic? You know, how do we practically move against the prevailing cultural climate? Because the climate is constantly, you know, a, a spend more consumeristic, you know, get as much as we can, don't be satisfied with what you've got type culture that I'm living in. How do I, how do I get into this, you know, are we talking idealistic nonsense here? It is a completely different language, but it's not idealistic nonsense. Completely different language that, that comes from Scripture compared to what the world offers. Mm. So it takes often, not always, but it takes time and processes and bad judgments and bad calls to get into debt. Yeah. yeah. Um, to run up lots of money on various credit cards often is a process, yeah. a, a sad process. And so we need to be realistic that to reverse that is also going to be a process. Yeah. In other words, you're not going to get to the to the perfect l- location where you want to be straight away. No. But we need to make some hard decisions. I mean, remove, reduce credit card debt, 
um, and we're not financial advisors, are we, or planners, but but pay off the credit card debt. Uh, re- don't buy the things you don't need to buy. So look where you can save. Look where you can budget. Work towards a plan. Yeah, yeah. That that actually makes an incredible amount of sense to me because what we're saying here is uh, have a plan, and the process in the over the years will actually bring rich rewards. The other key, I think, is that we're talking spirit. This is a spiritual thing. Yeah. Can't serve God and money. And if we're in, in excessive debt, we're a slave to that debt. So God wants to free us of these things and, and assist us in this process. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to guide us and to give us insight and conviction mm. and the ability to say no to some of these things that we would probably purchase that, that might be injurious to us. You know, I've actually said to, to, to some of my, my church members, uh, you know, well, I, I've actually talked uh, to my church members about, about tithing. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, that is one of those things that a lot of people don't realize there's an incredible blessing. I've experienced this in my own life, an amazing blessing in uh, in giving that which the Lord says, hey, look, is, is mine. There's a blessing connected to it. But people have said, oh, that's... That's uh, that's a huge, a huge amount. You know, to me, what God is wanting us to be is generous people. And whether it's tithing or, or just general giving, in our Western culture where we have so much, often we might say, well, where is the hand of God? We can't see God at work. Yeah. But you would know as well as I would, Gary, the number of people that we rub shoulders with with that put God first or give to others and step out in faith even sacrificially by giving and blessing others, they can say God worked an absolute miracle. Listen yeah. to this story. Yeah. And I'm sure, Gary, if we talk f- uh, further at another point about tithing, there will be some incredible stories yeah. that we can yeah. share. This is the God economy as opposed to the consumeristic, humanistic Society. Which God is really saying, trust me, put me first yeah. and see what I can do. Yeah. yeah, David, let's have prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I just come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for all that you have provided to us. Lord, thank you We are for making us your managers. Lord, I pray that you might be with uh, with anybody who who is struggling in this area right now. I pray that you might give them wisdom, wisdom to know how they can set in place a process that will uh, remove from them maybe the burden of debt. Uh, Lord, that might they might all be allowed to, to to understand how to reduce debt. Lord, uh, to be able to put aside some savings. Lord, that they might be able to have the peace. That, that comes from following your principles. Lord, thank you for being our Lord and our God. Thank you for being the almighty provider. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it looks like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray look at Does the Bible Have Anything to Say About Gambling? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Wendell Kimber. I shall not be shaken.
got alone I wait in silence My soul is still Before the Lord He is my rock And my salvation My fortress strong I'll trust in Him I'll not be shaken 